Hey, welcome to the Muso podcast. For those of you who don't know, Muso is a gig booking platform that connects hirers and artists. I'll be interviewing some incredible guests and uncovering their secret tips and tricks to hopefully give you a better understanding of the inner workings of the music industry. Season two of the Muso podcast, so incredibly excited to get this back underway. The response to season one, we cannot thank everyone enough, not just in Australia too, but uh, we've heard from people all around the world. So it's so incredibly exciting and rewarding to know that this podcast is helping people on their musical journey. And the guests we have for season two, wow, we're just picking up where we left off really. An incredible mix of managers, people behind the scenes. And today seems like a great place to start. We hear from so many singer-songwriters who want to know how APRA works. So We've got the best in the business joining me today, Nikki Tuckwell, who began working for APRA more than a decade ago, but her first contact with APRA, well, goes back to when she was a singer-songwriter, hearing a presentation from an APRA representative, and little did she know that this was the type of APRA representative she was destined to become. An average day for Nikki, well, could include everything from responding to writer member queries, obtaining payments from both here and overseas, also visiting students at universities, TAFEs, specialist music courses, creating new memberships and interviewing artists like Alex Leahy during in-house performances. No two days are exactly alike, which is why there are always opportunities to help musicians and that's what makes Nikki's day. So today's podcast is a great introduction into the world of APRA AMCOS and how it all works as we are delighted to welcome Nikki Tuckwell to the Muso podcast on what has been a very strange year and a half for the music industry. So yeah, Nikki, welcome to the Muso podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. We've got, this is very anticipated. Um, we've got a lot of questions from a lot of young Musos that want to chat to you, but you know, this has been a strange time in the music world. It truly has. And thank you so much for inviting APRA and myself on behalf of APRA AMCOS to be here. Um, we're very excited to be reaching an audience through this kind of, it's it's not a new means by any uh, stretch of the imagination, but it is a little bit new to APRA. So, um, no, I'm really thrilled to be here. And like like I was saying earlier, like this time especially, it's it's been such a weird year, especially with everything that happened with COVID. When did musicians start reaching out to you? Um, you know, obviously you've got a lot of members that rely so heavily on live performance. When did the questions start coming in about, hey, how is this all going to work? Was it right at January, the start of 2020? Was it earlier than that? Thankfully, uh, not January because everything was okay then. Everyone felt good about life. But but almost immediately, um, you're not wrong. Mm. Basically, as soon as those uh, lockdown laws came into effect, which was late March, yeah. and live venues were not allowed to operate, live music was threatened, that was the time immediately queries started flooding in um, and understandably it is a frightening time. The number one revenue earner for the vast majority of our membership is live performance. That is the bread and butter for the Australian music industry. Um, So as you would expect, as soon as they hear that that main source of income is under threat or in fact has disappeared, then everyone is looking for new ways to make money um, and concerned about 
what they're going to do, how are they going to survive. How did you see some of those things change, artists kind of looking to you as an outlet for new ways of making income? Actually, it was really exciting to see the way that artists did start. I mean, they're a creative lot, right? That, that's what musicians and, and songwriters are. They are creators. So they did look outside the box and we saw a massive uptake in people uploading their work online. So obviously going through digital aggregators and getting their music released via online platforms, YouTube, Facebook, these services that were offering live streaming. Um, Twitch was another one that, that became massively used, which I think uh, primarily had been for esports up until yeah. then. I don't know if you're a fan, but yeah. Um, yeah. esports suddenly had a competitor. Yeah. So, um, look, APRA immediately saw that there was a need to address that, um, a different way that our members were engaging. And we did manage to get an approval from our board. Our, our board are made up of songwriter members. Yeah. So they recognised the need for a different way of paying live performance. We did introduce a royalty for live streams and basically allowed our members to go ahead and report their live stream performances through Facebook and YouTube um, and claim a live royalty that way. The other thing that people did was they really started to um, – reach out to other songwriters and go into co-writing sessions. We saw people jumping onto Zoom, just as we are today, um, with other songwriters all around Australia, internationally even, and just expand their songwriting skills, expand their networks, and then release those songs too. So in some ways, it wasn't a downtime for a lot of artists. It was a, a more creative time. How did you guys deal with um, just the overwhelming amount of emails and people reaching out to you guys? Um, it, how did you guys cope with all of that at the start? It must have been quite overwhelming. It truly was. And we just did a lot of overtime. <laughs> um, honestly speaking, we there's nothing more you can do. You know, the queries just kept coming in. We did put some notifications on our inboxes uh, asking our members to just please be patient yeah. uh, because there was a huge influx of mm. queries in a way we'd never seen before. Yeah. But eventually we were able to get to everybody's email and uh, if we hadn't for some reason, please get in touch and let <laughs> us know. <laughs> it seems like it's slowly getting a bit better now. Is um. The vibe at APRA and musicians kind of contacting you, you know, there's a lot more hope now, people feeling a lot more positive. And, you know, you guys are introducing these amazing platforms now where artists can get royalties from live performances. There must be this kind of new set, new confidence in artists now that they might not have had, you know, 12 months ago. I would like to think so. Yeah. Um, I think and I hope that artists have spent this time developing their craft um, you know, they've had lots of time to really work on their songwriting, work on their performing in a really comfortable environment that is their own lounge room or garage or wherever they've been able to set up a performance space. Yeah. So now that we are seeing live venues slowly start to open up, I think what's going to work beautifully is that extra time that the artists have had to perfect or work on their art is going to combine with an audience that has been trapped at home and is hungry 
beautiful music. So what I'm really hoping we see now is that beautiful coming together of artists that are ready to perform and audiences that are just desperate to hear some incredible music. Amazing. Absolutely incredible. Now, if for our artists that are listening now that haven't registered with APRA and might be a little bit daunted by the whole process, what's the what are the first steps to take by joining APRA? What's the best way to go about it? Well, the first thing I can say is actually fantastic news. Um, obviously, this podcast will be available for a long time to come, but as of today, we actually launched a brand new website with a new joining application process, which is faster and simpler and designed to make becoming an APRA member the easiest thing that we could possibly come up with. (laughs) So basically, if you are a songwriter, if your works are out there available to the public, and that can be through a live performance, through, you know, an open mic night, a cafe that you play out on the weekend, or if you've got online platforms such as YouTube, Spotify, uh, even Facebook videos, if you've had some works that have maybe gotten some community radio play, whatever it might be, that's going to make you pretty much eligible to join APRA. All you need to do is head to the website, fill in the application form, the now simpler, new, improved (laughs) application form. It's completely free to join APRA. There is no membership fee. There are no ongoing dues and membership exists for your whole life. So once you're with us, unless you decide you want to go elsewhere, we will continue to administer your public performance right um, or your mechanical copyright if you become an AMCOS member as well. And we'll collect those royalties and pass them straight along to you. Awesome. So, and you don't just have to be a songwriter with a guitar to join to get these royalties. You can be a producer, you can be in any kind of form of entertainment, whether it's playing live or recorded? As long as you're contributing to the songwriting. So the key there is that you have to have some kind of um, compositional contribution that you're making. So I like to reference the term producer that you've used there. It is nowadays a producer gets thrown around all the time. Uh, A producer, I guess, in a really traditional sense was the person who sat in the studio and said, hey, maybe try it this way, maybe try it that way. But these days a producer is far more often than not composing beats, um, you know, writing the bed that a vocalist will then compose a melody on top of. So if you are a, a producer in that sense, you are absolutely contributing to the work and that is when you would be eligible to become an APRA member. So I guess the key is we pay songwriters. If you're involved in that process and your work is being released, then that would make you eligible to join. So if you um, are a songwriter and you do register and just say, for example, you use a sample of someone else's song, you incorporate their lyrics or maybe a melody from another song, but only use like 30 or 10%. How does that process work as far as um, divvying up parts of the songs if you know you don't know that artist and you've just used a piece of their music okay so you've walked into dangerous territory (laughs) unfortunately the old um urban legend shall we say about 10 percent of use or 30 percent of use is allowed is incorrect this is a complete fallacy any recognizable part of a song that is sampled or used in a brand new work is absolutely going to require permission. So 
if you don't know the songwriter personally, and chances are it's a well-known work and it's a work that is tied to a publisher, you're going to need to go to that publisher for permission. Now, it's actually pretty easy to find out who the publisher of a song is. Quite often a Google search will tell you who has published a song, but APRA can help you with that as well. So if you go to our website, we actually have a research form that you can fill in. Uh, It's free for up to five songs. We will do the research, find out who the copyright holders are, and then you can get in touch with them, publishers or songwriters, and ask their permission to sample their work. Great. That's incredible. What if you're on the other spectrum and you've noticed that, hey, I've just put a demo up on, you know, whether it be Triple J on Earth, or but I've registered with APRA and then I've noticed that somebody else has used it for something else without asking for my permission. What's the kind of process there? Yeah, look, uh, this has actually happened um, to a member that I was dealing with recently. And the first thing we do is we just try and connect the writers. So essentially we're going to ask, what do you want the outcome to be? Do you want credit on the song? Is that what you're looking for? Just a share in the royalties that might come from use of the work? Mm. Do you want your song removed from this? Do you not want them to use it? You know, so it really does depend on what the person who's been sampled is after. Yeah. In in most cases, I think people just want credit. They're actually really flattered that their work has been you know, picked up and enjoyed and and somebody wants to then or has been inspired to then create their own piece from that. Yeah. And that was the case with the writer I was dealing with. So all I did was I reached out to the songwriters of the new work and said, hey, you know, our writer member is so flattered that you have gone ahead and used her work. She would love to negotiate some kind of cut in your new piece and, uh, and we took it from there and they were able to, they were happy to exchange contact details. They got in touch with each other and that was it. Wow. Done. That's incredible. What if you, you are working with just say a producer, but you know, you don't want to give them copyright ownership, like mechanical versus a sound recording copyright, for example, what's the best mm. way to approach that situation? Okay. The absolute best thing is to have a discussion before the session starts. And I know that can be really difficult, but almost think of it as part of the original transaction. You're booking in your time in the studio, you're booking in the time with the producer, you're agreeing on a rate, a fee for their time. And at that point you say, I'd also like to talk about any potential royalty splits or how we're going to, uh, basically how we're going to negotiate fees. I'm going to pay you this flat fee in exchange for your services without any ongoing royalties. So you would have a conversation about that, come to whatever agreement it might be. Now, if it's going to be a case of the producer is not going to get any of the songwriting credit, but they are going to get royalties from the sound recording because they're very much involved in the sound recording, Mm. Um, excellent, whatever it might be, get it in writing. That is the number one piece of advice we give. And it doesn't matter what kind of document you get drawn up. Text messages between everybody is better than nothing. 
everybody replies to a text message and says, yes, we agree. It was a flat fee paid with no ongoing royalties or yes, we agree. The producer is getting 10% of all songwriting royalties or all sound recording, whatever it is, whatever you've negotiated, just get it in writing. That's great because it might be daunting if you're like a, a new songwriter, not knowing too much about working with a producer. So you're right. You don't need to have a a big formal document to hand to them at the start because that would be daunting. It can just be something as simple, just like, hey, is this call over a text? Absolutely. And look, if you do decide you want to go into a more formalised document, there are some amazing resources out there. So Music New South Wales have an amazing uh, legal pack, which is full of checklists of things that you might like to consider when you're putting a legal document together. And uh, the Arts Law Centre of New South Wales, they also have a pack that you can purchase that has some template uh, contracts that you could go ahead and use as is, as they are. That's amazing. Hey, Nikki, would you be able to tell us um, a little bit how royalties are collected from, to say, avenues like YouTube and Spotify? Absolutely, yes. I mean, obviously at the moment, This is a really important thing for anyone who's releasing music to know because that's the majority of of musicians right now. We usually mention that you need to ensure that when you're uploading to YouTube, you really, really need to be sure that their content management system is identifying the works or the videos, I should say, as a music video. Because if their system is not categorizing it as a music video, it does not get reported to us. Right. That's massive. How, how often do things like that slip through the cracks, uploading stuff on YouTube? I would, I would say very, very regularly, <laughs> um, especially if it's not you that's uploaded the music, which, again, happens more often than we would like to think. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's someone else in the band. Sometimes it is a friend of the band mm. um, who thought they were doing a great thing by just, you know, throwing the band's album or live show yeah. up onto YouTube. But, you know, they've popped it up just under comedy or right. Politics. I've seen things yeah. go up on. We're definitely not going to get any data for videos that go up under categories other than music. Thank you so much for saying that. That is so helpful. It is wow. an important one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so when it comes to any of your audio platforms, the, the big players like Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, they are supplying APRA AMCOS with lists of everything that is being streamed on their platforms, which is fantastic. Mm. So no matter how granular it is, we are getting just masses and masses of data. You can imagine the size of the files. So if your work is being streamed, it is being reported to us. Now, of course, the thing to keep in mind is that we are receiving the reports from the Australian branches of those companies and our affiliate societies, so PRS in the UK and ASCAP and BMI in in the USA, they're receiving the data in their own territories. Mm. So if your work is being streamed in a territory overseas, any reports from over there are going to take a little bit longer to filter through to us, but it will reach us eventually. A really really important thing to also keep in mind is that when you see the number of streams 
on a song, you're seeing a cumulative total for the entire world and for the entire length of time that that song has been released. Whereas we get data in increments. So we get monthly reports and again, just for our territory. So while you might be seeing, you know, 2,000 streams, 5,000 streams, or whatever it might be, what's actually coming into us is a much smaller amount of data. Right. Cool. Okay. That's why it can take a lot longer than you may anticipate to see a payable royalty come through. Yeah, right. What is what is that? Um, how long can it be? Is it like a month thing, like a, a year thing in some cases? It can, it can be. It can okay. be a year thing. I heard I don't have a firm yeah. grounding for this, but I did hear somebody that – from ASCAP say that you would need to see about 10,000 streams in one territory for one calendar quarter come through before you'd start to see a payable royalty. So I guess the beauty of those online platforms is they give your audience a place to go and a place to find you. And if you can get some, you know, at the bottom of the page where you've got the other artists and and everyone's kind of linked up through there, if you can get some other artists and and linking, growing your audience through those platforms, that's really one of the best ways to go. Do you think this is the most exciting time to be a songwriter? Like surely, like maybe like 20 or 30 years ago, you might have made more money through CD sales and things like that. But just mm. all the avenues you were talking about before, it just, it just seems like there's so much opportunity now. I think so because I think in this time, artists have more control than ever before. Um you know, I mean, it's fantastic to have the backing of record labels and publishers and, and they do incredible work, obviously, but at some point you end up relinquishing some of your control. So at least here as an artist that's starting out, you don't have to compromise with anyone. You can upload your music and your videos, make it look exactly the way you like, sound the way you like, Um and just deliver what's really burning within you yeah. without any compromises. So, yeah, it is exciting. What is a ISRC? We've had a few questions about that. Okay. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we get a lot of questions <laughs> yeah. about that. I think because um, these are issued in Australia by an organisation with a very similar acronym. So it's actually ARIA the Recording Industry Association (laughs) that um, are going to issue you with an ISRC. Now, what that is, is a code that goes on each different version of a recording of a song. So that might be your 2020 album release and you put a different ISRC on your 2022 release, your single version, your dance remix, your live version, each recording of one song is going to have a different ISRC. But you're going to take all of those codes and attach them to the one registration with us at APRA AMCOS. This way, anytime any different version of the song is played, the different ISRC codes are going to be reported, but they get matched back to one registration and we then pay the songwriters on that single registration. So there's no confusion. Gotcha. 
Amazing. Yeah, we did have a few questions about that. And yes. the APRA AMCOS songwriting camps and, and things that you guys encourage, like the stuff that you guys do is so important. I think you've had some amazing artists come through a couple of years, like G Flip. Um, and then you've got, you know, yeah. Sarah Ahrens, of course, who's enjoying amazing success overseas. Like it really does seem like a place to get like-minded people together and a real opportunity to kind of springboard them to, you know, other people that aren't too aware of them at that time. Absolutely. The, we've had some incredible success with songwriters just like Sarah Ahrens, Amy Shark. Um, it's a little known fact because I think when people think about Australian musicians, they think about ACDC. They think about Midnight Oil. We've still got a, a reputation in Australia as uh, a real rock and roll kind of country, but our number one or top five earning um, writers, they're actually Lord and Seer. Yes. So, yeah, yeah it's actually our, our up-and-coming writers or our, our newer writers and our ladies yes. that are out there. Um, yeah. Just really killing it. There's a lot of reasons for it. I mean, obviously, they're really, really talented, but people like Sia, people like Sarah Aaron's, just a perfect example of why co writing can be such a brilliant uh, weapon to have in your arsenal. Yeah. Just do as many co writing sessions as you can get involved with other people um and especially as we were saying before if you can do those sessions via zoom with people that are living on the other side of the planet you know why not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it certainly it can only lead to you making bigger networks and furthering your talent but look when it comes to song hubs and and things like that we do actually run a a suite of different programs for our members. We um, we have ones like Meet the Locals where we actually host sessions with different representatives from all different areas of the local industry. So it could be A&R people, it could be publishers, it could be booking agents, managers, and we organise them to come in and either meet face-to-face -face, if that's practicable or in the last year, we actually arranged some Zoom sessions, one-on-one -on -one video sessions with these rep uh, representatives from the music industry and our members to just have a chat yeah. and, and talk about whatever might have been their burning question at the time. Yeah. Uh, we do Anatomy of an Album and Songwriter Speaks where some of our ambassadors or our really known songwriters will come in and, and talk about a particular album that they've written yeah. or talk about their process in starting the writing session and going right through to a finalised product that they're then promoting. With Song Hubs, um, there are actually a few different criteria that need to be met. It's, it's a little bit exclusive. Mm. It's an invite-only kind of program. You can actually go to our website and if you type in Song Hubs on the search you will be taken to the, uh, the page that has all the information. But a couple of the key factors are things like you need to have had commercial success within the past two years. You need to have funded recordings that are scheduled for release within the 12 months of the specific song hubs you're applying for. And you need to either be writing or producing for an international artist if you're not the artist yourself. So 
there are a few different kind of key criteria that means it's aimed at a slightly different sector of our membership than maybe not a grassroots member. Yeah. But once you have worked your way up and, you know, you're really starting to build that fan base, maybe you've managed to get a little bit of publishing happening or something like that, it's um, it's an amazing program. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the, the names you just said, you know, it speaks it speaks for itself. If you are a grassroots artist, what is the best way to kind of connect with other members? Look, definitely once we get our ability to meet in person, yeah. get along to the member events. Um, we are trying to focus at the moment. 2019, we started to do it obviously got a little held up last year and then we'll kick it off again. But we're starting to get a little bit more genre-specific. So we've had ones that were specifically for pop, cool. specifically for screenwriting, um, specifically for hip-hop. Yeah. Um, and, and we're just trying to bring those more niche communities together yeah. so people can start to get uh, used to the faces and meet some of the other people that work within their own genre as opposed to just... Yeah. everybody in one room. It really does feel like a community, doesn't it? When you, when you break it down, all the opportunities through APRA AMCOS, like it, it's really exciting. It is really exciting. And it's fantastic for me as I've started to stay longer and longer in this role to see the same people coming yeah. up and to get emails from the same members, um, which is I love it because it means that whether or not people have found great success they're still sticking with it it's their passion it's their love and i, I think that's more almost more important yeah <laughs> almost <laughs> we all want to make a little bit of money from it as well that would be ideal um have you got a ultimate co-write that you wish two artists would get together australian musicians you'd like to see get together to write a song wow so trey samuels i'm a big fan of his and and maybe Maybe hearts. Yeah. Maybe put the two of them together. And yeah. I feel like obviously I'm sitting here in front of a picture of Prince. Like it's no, it's, <laughs> it's a pretty obvious story who my favourite is. Yeah. And I feel like maybe that's too obvious for the two of them to write together. They both obviously have that that R&B Princey yeah. vibe. I wish I could think of something that was a little more juxtaposed there. Too. Actually, I, I just had a thought like the Myth, Mythbusters theme song were APRA writers um, yes. Are there any other random songwriters that have come out through the APRA ranks for those kind of things? Oh, man. I mean, we have some amazing film and TV writers. I mean, some obvious ones. Happy Little Vegemites is ours. Louis yeah. the Fly is ours. Yeah. Um, I look after a particular sector of our membership that's yeah. called Successor in Title. So yeah. when a songwriter passes away, their copyright still exists for 70 years yeah. after they've died. And I am the person who then deals with the beneficiary. So the, the next of kin or the beneficiary to that songwriter, okay. they get to become an associate APRA member. So they get to become like a custodian of the music and receive any royalties for, for the music's being played. Whoa. So Last year, I did have a really lovely um, incident where a beneficiary got yeah. in touch with me and they, they said, look, I've unfortunately my, my father has just passed away um, and I've heard that he was an APRA member and that there might be some royalties 
Yeah. Is this the case? And I, I said, yes, it is. And they, they actually had a letter from the state revenue um, yeah. department, which is how they'd made the link. So we did all the paperwork. We got everything sorted out for them. And in the end, it turned out that they had over $30,000 in total <laughs> that they didn't know was there. What? Their father. <laughs> yeah. What? And it all came from the use of one song that a TV show in the UK, a fishing TV show, oh. was using as their theme music. What was that phone call like where after you <laughs> discovered that? Did it must have gone quiet for a while? Um, I did this one via email, but um, it, it's... It's one of the best things I've ever been able to do in my role. Yeah. You're never going to get over the loss of someone you love, but to bring a little bit of joy in what's a dark time just felt wonderful. So, yeah, it was a little farewell and thanks from her dad. That's incredible. That's an amazing story. I mean, yeah, that was a really good one. Nikki, thanks so much for chatting. So, such an informative chat. I think the listeners are going to get so much out of this. Um, your journey's been incredible. And what APRA. Amcos is doing right now is so exciting for established musicians and new musicians. So thank you so much for chatting to the Muso podcast. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. And and APRA Amcos is here for songwriters, for musicians. We are, we're just always there. Anytime. Come check out the website. Try the all new joining process if you've ever found the old one to be daunting. Um, if you're already a member and you just need to refresh your membership, get back in touch. You want to see we're up, what we're up to these days, don't hesitate. We are online. We have live chat. Um, please reach out. We can't wait to talk to you. <laughs> Season two, episode one of the Muso podcast, uh, Nikki Tuckwell from APRA Amcos, our first guest this season. And what a chat and what an insight into the way APRA Amcos works. We hope that answers all of your questions. And as always, if you haven't yet subscribed to the Muso podcast, we'll see you this time next week. And give us a follow too on all the socials, Instagram and Facebook at Muso App. And if you are an up and coming Muso, you want to get out there and play some shows, please register on the app now and I'll see you next time on the Muso Podcast.